My name is Rajiv Jain. I'm a product manager with Alexa Voice Service at Amazon. Today, it's, it's my real pleasure to be here with you today and talk to you about an exciting new solution that we're building uh, for you to put Alexa in a new category of devices. Joining me today are my colleagues. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Philippe Lanton. I'm a solutions architect for the Alexa voice service. So um, I help partners integrate Alexa into their devices. And my name is Adam Stevens. I'm a development manager that helped build the back end for the solution that we'll be talking today. All right, before we start, I'm going to ask a few questions. And please uh, raise your hands. How many of you have at least one Alexa product in your home? Great. How many of you are Alexa developers? Maybe you've tried building a skill, maybe a product uh, at home, maybe at work. Great. And anybody in the audience who's familiar with the AVS device SDK, that's the open source uh, code that's on GitHub. You can put that on your Raspberry Pi. I see one. Okay, couple of people in the audience, all right? Thank you. So one of the key themes here at reInvent is reimagination. And today we are gonna to talk to you about how we reimagined how you as device makers put Alexa in your products. What does that mean to you in terms of experience? And what does that mean to you in terms of adding and differentiating products uh, that you build and offer to your customers? So that's, that's what we're gonna cover in the session today. Agenda-wise, today I'm gonna to talk more about how, how we at Amazon, we think about the smart home opportunity, what it means to build Alexa into smart home products. Philip is gonna to talk to you on how you take uh, the solutions that you're building and how you can go to market very, very quickly with those solutions. And then Adam will get into the technical aspects of the product. The, the goal of the session today is to have you walk out of this session knowing exactly what's what's the value proposition of this new solution that we call Alex AVS integration for AWS IoT Core, a, handful, a big name. Uh, and if you are interested in getting started, how you get started with this today. Uh, we want to wrap up this session in maybe 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, we won't be doing any Q&A from the stage, uh, but we'll be available in the back to take any questions that you may have on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So very quickly, what, what, what do we say when, what do we mean when we talk about the smart home? Smart home, as you see, there are a lot of big numbers on the screen. It's, there are about 91 million homes in the US and Europe that are connected. There are billions and billions of devices that are connected today, and that's almost doubling in the next couple of years. And when you see, look at the revenue numbers, $50 billion uh, projected revenue opportunity in a couple of years, this is massive. And this is certainly something that we see uh, on Amazon.com. Uh, the revenue that we see from uh, this category of devices is almost growing at 90 to 95% year over year. So big, massive opportunity. And when you think about Alexa, what, what does Alexa do in smart home? We see Alexa in lots of different categories of devices. Obvious ones that everybody knows about is lighting. You have companies like Philips Hue, uh, TP-Link doing a lot of innovation in smart lighting space. Uh, you see locks, August, uh, and other lock companies, Ring, a lot of cameras, uh, appliances. So there are just a lot of device types where Alexa is getting built into these devices and uh, our device makers and our customers are innovating. 
what do you do? What does this mean, putting Alexa in your product? We see two different types of integrations. First is what we call Alexa built-in. So think of these devices as devices that have mics and speakers. These are the devices you can talk to. You can say, Alexa, play music. Alexa, what's the weather? And these devices respond back. These devices talk back to you. We enable our partners, such as Bono, Bose and Sonos, to put this experience in their devices and go to market. This type of integration is called Alexa built-in. Second type of integration is called Alexa Smart Home Skill. So think of these as connected devices that you control by talking to a companion device. Uh, an example would be Philips Hue. So this is an integration where you develop a skill uh, that is controlled by talking to an Alexa endpoint in your home. Uh, so these are accessory devices, if you will. And we have seen about what, 80, 85,000 different product SKUs uh, with Alexa uh, smart home skills and uh, thousands of SKUs with the Alexa built-in. And then we have partners who are doing both in the same product. Uh, an example would be Ecobee. When Ecobee did their first thermostat, that was a, a, works with Alexa product. That's where they had a skill and a user would have to talk to uh, Echo endpoint, like uh, a, a, a Echo or Echo Dot in their home and then control that uh, uh, thermostat. Great experience and for the next generation, Ecobee built in mics and speakers into their Ecobee 4 thermostat. And all of a sudden, the users did not need to have two Alexa products in the living room. They could get the same experience of Echo on their Echo 4, Echo B4 thermostat. And that's, that's been a really, really good experience. So you, you may ask, why isn't every smart home device an Alexa built-in? And this is a really, really big question. This is, this, if we, we understand why, why is the case, what are the problems, and we can do something about it, this opens up this $50 billion, $50 billion devices opportunity that we talked about. When we talk to our customers, when we talk to our partners, we, we heard three big problems. Why? Why is Alexa not built into every single smart home device? First one was about how, how you build your smart home devices today. Uh, these smart home devices tend to have very limited amount of compute and memory. When I say compute, think of this as a microcontroller, not a microprocessor. Microprocessor is something that you see in your smartphones. Microcontroller is something that you may see in your smart light switch. Uh, the amount of processing that's available on a microcontroller is tiny compared to the processing that's available in your smartphone. Uh, you build these devices with very, very little RAM. Uh, a typical phone may have four gig or two gig worth of RAM. In a smart home device, you may see 100 KB, maybe up to one MB RAM. So this is order of magnitude difference in terms of the capabilities that you put in versus what Alexa experience today requires uh, for, for, for to function. Higher component cost results, high, uh, higher degree of comp complexity results in higher product cost. And this is really the kickers. So think about it. If you, if you are thinking, of, let's say, putting Alexa built in into a smart switch, and uh, because of the higher, the, the degree of components that are required, uh, that the MSRP, the retail price of that may go up significantly. If, if you, as a customer, you're buying 
uh, smart switches for your home, and let's say you have 25 to 30 devices, and each switch costs $200, that's $6,000. That's a lot of money. Nobody will spend this kind of money, or very few people will. So the idea is that how do we bring down the cost of building these devices so that customers can do more and more, buy more and more of these devices and find more utility out of these. And third is complexity. And there are multiple degrees of complexity. First is how you think about the skill set that's needed to build these devices. The moment I say, hey, you need Linux and you need to do C++ and I'm gonna give you 50 MB or 100 MB library, you need a very different engineering skill set than what's available in, uh, with our smart home uh, customers today. Uh, smart home customers say, I don't want a Linux, I want a free RTAS. I don't want a, uh, hundreds of MBs of code, I want a few KB, or maybe a few hundred KB. Right? Uh, and once you build it, what does it mean to maintain these? Uh, Alexa is an evolving experience. Uh, we, we keep on launching new functionality. You may have to add new features and functionalities to your device. So this translates into high fixed cost of creating these products and then maintaining these products over a period of time. So going back to the question, how do I cost effectively build uh, Alexa into my smart home devices? And when we reimagined the experience, uh, we said, hey, maybe we can, ex we can offload all the compute and complexity com uh, from the device into the cloud. And that's exactly what we did. And this is, this is the new feature in AWS IoT Core. It's called Alexa Voice Service Integration for AWS IoT. And with this, we are offloading a lot of compute and complexity that's, uh, that used to be on the device into a cloud. And we are exposing that through a simplified set of APIs uh, through AWS IoT. Uh, so think of this. You just connect to AWS IoT and, uh, and over an MQTT topic and you send and receive audio messages to Alexa reserve topic. And we do this at a very, very low latency, and Adam's gonna cover how we manage to reduce latency and build an amazing experience uh, so that you, you can offer these experience to your customers. So what's, what are the key benefits? First is lower cost. And this is a significant benefit. We, are, we have taken an order of magnitude, or maybe two order of magnitude reduction in, in memory. From 100 to 50 MB RAM, you go down to one. And this one MB includes the RTAS, it includes the application, the Alexa application, it includes uh, all the audio libraries. It's an end-to-end -end experience in less than one MB. You can create far field experience with Alexa. Uh, low cost means you can make Alexa more ambient. You can put Alexa in devices uh, where it was not uh, feasible to put Alexa to, uh, so far. And that's really, really interesting. And it opens up new areas uh, and opportunities for you. You simplify firmware development. You go from 50 to 100 MB code down to 350 KB application code, and maybe another uh, 4 to 500 KB in audio code. From, three, uh, from 50 MB down to 1 MB, less time and cost to develop, less time and cost to maintain. And that's huge. And then last but not the least, and Philip's gonna cover this in a lot of details, we've worked with our chip partners, NXP, Qualcomm, and many others, uh, to, to, to be able to give you production-ready kits, which you can get started today. Some of our customers have taken these kits and have gone to market in four to six months. And that is really, really interesting.
So as I talked a little uh, earlier, how you get started? You create a device, add mics and speakers. For if you already, if you already have connected devices, uh, you already have Wi-Fi. All it is is you add a couple of mics, uh, speakers, and maybe upgrade the processing and memory. And that's usually incremental cost that's really, really easy to absorb. You connect to AWS IoT Core using uh, MQTT. And then Alexa is available as a reserve topic on that MQTT. You send audio over MQTT and receive audio over MQTT. And once IoT receives that, it gives its handsets over to Alexa. Think of this as a virtual appliance uh, that's running in the cloud and we take it over from there, and all of the complexity, and we're gonna cover that in details, is managed and handled for you. So what you see on this slide is our current existing AVS device SDK. This is a solution where it takes about 50 to 100 MB RAM, depending on uh, what you end up using. This is available as open source code on GitHub. You can go download that today. You can, you can build your devices uh, Raspberry Pi. Within two hours, you can have a built-in experience. And a lot of our device makers have used it and taken commercial products to market. What, <clears throat> I'm not going to cover this in too much details today. We had a couple of workshops where we talked about it. But the way you think about this, the left-hand side blocks are the audio blocks. Wake word, how you think about the far-field noise pickup. And then the right-hand side blocks are uh, what, what, think of these as logic blocks. And we took these logic blocks and we moved them from device into the cloud uh, with the new feature. And that's really interesting and we're gonna talk a lot more about later, but I'll just give one, one case in point. When you think of uh, playing music through Alexa, Alexa music can come from multiple music service providers, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, all of these providers have different uh, codecs, different formats, and as a device maker, you need to implement all of these codecs and formats on your device. Uh, with this new feature, we are able to transcode the the, all this audio into the cloud, simplify it for you by, by sending you a stream in Opus. So as a device maker, now you don't have to worry about six different or six or seven different codecs, you just need to implement Opus on your device. And and there are a lot of other things that Adam's gonna cover in more details. So what does this mean? How, what do you do with, with all of this functionality? So think of this as, when you think of Alexa experience, think of two types of interactions. One is what we call push to talk, uh, voice-enabled remote control. The, this is the device that you actuate by touching the device. If that's all you're doing, you can do that in uh, 500 KB RAM on an M4 class processor. And that's really, really cool. Think these are super low cost chips. And, uh, and all you need to do is connect to AWS IoT Core. AWS provides uh, C SDKs for MQTT. You need to get Opus uh, Kodak on your device. Again, that's a library that's open, available in open source. You need to be able to do some audio buffering. And uh, you need to be able to authenticate your users uh, using LWA, login with Amazon. And that's it. And Adam will cover a lot more in details. On the other hand, if you want to create devices that are far field, where the devices can hear you 15 to 20 feet away, uh, where the, even if the music is playing, you can barge in, you can talk over music and the device will still hear you. For that, you need audio algorithms. Alexa wake word, uh, front end, 
uh, and a lot of different types of algorithms. You can do that in two ways. You can just bolt on an external DSP that en encapsulates these algorithms. And one of our chip maker partners that we are going to talk about uh, has done that. Or you can take an ARM M7. So instead of M4, you upgrade your processor and you go to an M7. And you can do these audio algorithms on a single chip. And we are going to cover both later on. What, what does this mean? What, what can you do with this? So what you see on this slide is a comparison of uh, different Alexa device solutions. Uh, AVS over AWS IoT core is the first column. The AVS device SDK, that's the product on GitHub. That's the middle column. And then the smart screen SDK, this is the SDK we announced about two weeks ago, is the last column. And you can see that depending on your use cases and the experiences that you want to create, we provide you with a lot of solutions that you can use to create the experiences that you want. If you want to create interactive experiences on TVs, uh, the smart screen SDK is a phenomenal solution that helps you create these experiences, interactive experiences on TV. What we, are gonna, what we are talking about today is the experience for the uh, category of devices. Uh, think of these as light switches or smart plugs or coffee makers this, or appliances. This is what we call a voice forward experience. These devices let you control other devices. You can say, Alexa, what's the weather? Or turn on my lights, uh, uh, make my coffee. And these devices are usually the, are optimized uh, for speech rather than music playback. And the reason for that is these devices may have tiny surface area. Speaker takes a lot of volume. The bigger the speaker, the better the volume. Uh, there are a lot of companies who do a lot of optimization around it. And if you want to create a great speaker experience, that's where you create use the AVS device SDK. Uh, so the uh, features that are available on the AVS uh, for AWS IoT core are Alexa skills. You can use any of our skills. Dialogues, you can say, Alexa, what's the time? Alerts, Alexa, set a timer for 10 minutes, or remind me that pasta will be ready in 10 minutes. Announcements, Alexa, dinner's ready. And music. And now I'm going to invite Philip to talk more about how you can quickly go to market with these devices. Philip? Thank you, Rajiv. Uh, so now you've made the decision to uh, build uh, your device based on uh, AIA. Um, what's the first step? Well, the first step is uh, choosing uh, one of our uh, partners that developed a uh, development kit uh, that implemented the, the AIA protocol. And um, let's go over a few that are available today. So this is one uh, by NXP. Um, we actually gave two workshops uh, at this reInvent um, with this kit and that uh, allowed uh, all the attendees to build a fully working solution end-to-end -end, uh, as part of the workshop. And uh, one of the things that's uh, really uh, compelling about this uh, solution here is uh, the dev kit is kind of very elegant. Uh, it's about the size of two fingers. It's got a speaker. It's got three microphones. Um, it has the uh, NXP RT106A ARM processor, which is a, a very capable processor for that not only can run um, AIA, it can also do additional functions that you might want to do uh, on your device, such as 
uh, control uh, light switches or other smart home equipment. Uh, it runs Amazon FreeRTOS, uh, which is a, a FreeRTOS is a, the OS that basically drives uh, microcontrollers, and it's um, it's an operating system that Amazon has uh, sponsored since 2017 to uh, enable faster development and more elegant development, especially for applications using AWS IoT. And so let's say you choose this kit. NXP will uh, give you the full schematics uh, of this particular kit, uh, in addition to furnish the, uh, the Alexa wake word and the audio front-end algorithms uh, to perform um, noise cancellation, uh, beam forming, which is important for uh, picking up voice across the room, um, as well as providing uh, you know, a, a good experience with microphones by tuning uh, for proper um, audio. And one of the things is like on this kit, it's three mics. You may well implement a solution that has two microphones and uh, you could uh, tune the audio front end algorithms to for those configurations. So if you're interested in um, uh, obtaining this kit, uh, there's a link at the bottom and I'll provide another slide that you can also take a picture of that will have the link uh, and uh, get that from NXP directly. So let's go take a look at another kit. Uh, this one is by Qualcomm. This one is different. Uh, it is uh, meant uh, to use the, uh, one of the Qualcomm SOCs that actually offers Wi-Fi as part of uh, the chip. So what's interesting here is the M4 chip that um, powers the AIA solution also offers uh, Wi-Fi capability on it. So it's a, a completely integrated solution the kit from NXP uh, actually uses a, a separate Cypress chip for the Wi-Fi, and this one actually integrates it directly on the SOC, on the M4 processor. Um, it is coupled with a um, Connexent, so Qualcomm uh, partnered with the Connexent to offer um, the, the voice capability, which would be uh, a DSP by Connexent that allows you to run the audio front-end algorithms as well as the Alexa wake word. Now you might ask, why can't I do uh, the wake word and front-end algorithms on the M4? And uh, you know, the reason is it's not quite powerful enough to do that. And uh, while there's some development going on to enable that uh, going forward, for now, uh, you know, having a separate DSP in this solution uh, is what was recommended. And one of the things to understand is that, let's say if you just wanted to do a touch or tap enabled experience with no wake word, uh, and just what we call near field, which would be maybe one to two feet away, you do not need uh, the connexant. You could just implement uh, a solution based on a single microphone and uh, the M4 base. Um, and again, if you're interested in obtaining this kit, um, you can go on the bottom link and uh, order it from Qualcomm. Um, so let's take a case study. Uh, so iDevices uh, was our first partner to implement AIA. Uh, they chose the solution by NXP. And uh, one, of the, um, one of the, I would say, uh, items that, uh, that was easier for iDevices to, to move on AIA was that they were already using AWS IoT. So they were familiar with uh, AWS already. They had um, 
a fleet of devices already that were using um, free RTOS. And so when they found out about AI and said, hey, you know, um, I can just add voice to my existing products um, and just use the same kind of architecture and I don't have to retrain my engineers to actually learn a new operating system that would be uh, Linux or Android, you know, they say, hey, you know, we're all in. And so um, not only did iDevices do this um, with AIA, they also chose um, to implement other uh, AWS IoT products, which are device management. Uh, and this one's a huge um, benefit because let's say you develop a, a product such as this one. And of course, this, all these products run firmware that you need to update every once in a while uh, for new features, um, and maybe you know changes uh, you know throughout the life cycle of the product. Uh, it's very important to, to understand that you need to have a way to you know push firmware updates and know how your fleet is doing uh, of devices. And it's it's one of the things that um, iDevices took to heart and they adopted um, AWS IoT device management to actually uh, manage the firmware of the product. So they can do things like push out firmwares using the the, the abilities of device management and they can do things like track the deployment of their new firmware across a fleet of devices, target specific devices if they want a beta, a beta test of certain uh, features. Uh, so it provides you the ability to also do some analytics and see how your devices are doing out there. So one of the key things that's important about um, connected devices is uh, how do you know that uh, you're not having, let's say you release new firmware, but oh, you know, maybe the Wi-Fi driver needed a little bit of work because now you're seeing more devices being disconnected. You want to be alerted as soon as that happens, and that's why you use you know services like AWS IoT and analytics to actually know, uh, make sure your fleet's doing well, and uh, you can react quickly to any events that happen. Um, so here's a quick link to the, uh, the, our dev kits, um, a picture opportunity here, um, and there are more on the way. that we'll be announcing uh, in the next year or so. Uh, and one thing I do want to mention is the pricing structure uh, for AWS IoT um, for Alexa, for AIA, is all the traffic that travels on that reserve topic for Alexa is not metered. This means you will not be charged for the traffic that travels through that topic. So again, um, when you speak with Alexa or you're playing music, uh, all the traffic that traveled, all those MQTT messages are not charged on this topic. Um, so the AWS IoT core benefits, uh, obviously a secure connection to the cloud. So every single device has a unique certificate. Uh, and Adam will go into a little bit of details to how we, we make sure to have encryption for voice on top of that. Um, you know, we can easily uh, route events uh, with AWS IoT. It's, it's one of the reasons we chose to implement our AIA solution. And also, um, let's say if you're, uh, you want to have a, a, a good way to control your devices and know when they become online and offline, it enables us to you know, properly track state. And of course, uh, the integration with additional AWS services uh, is really helpful.
Um, so as part of a standard solution, you start with Amazon FreeRTOS running on a microcontroller. And uh, you implement AWS IoT Core. And again, this is where uh, you know, going with a solution by one of our partners will help you out because they will provide actually firmware builds uh, and the source code necessary for you to uh, get a head start. Um, and of course, Alexa Voice Service is uh, what we offer that will ultimately offer the Alexa functionality. So now I'm going to pass it to uh, Adam for our deep dive. Sir, thank you. All right, technical deep dive. I'm going to try and cover three things in the next couple of minutes. What AIA did to enable you know, these MCU-type devices, um, the implications of what we did, and you know, if you wanted to get started with a dev kit or if you wanted to get started with your own client, um, you know, how you, what are the components there and how do you do it? So that button. All right, so you've seen something very similar to what's on the screen right now. On the left is what you see for a traditional Alexa voice services device. All of those blue boxes are components or libraries you might pull from the AVS SDK, or you might write yourself to interact with the Alexa voice service APIs. So quick show of hands, who in the audience has actually interacted with the Alexa voice service APIs? Anybody? Done a demo, done a workshop here at reInvent before, so a couple of people. So the Alexa voice service APIs started out as a very simple API for interacting with Alexa, but as Alexa grew smarter, the, you know, the API grew significantly more complicated, and it requires a lot of on-device complexity. So when we were reimagining how do we simplify these devices, what we did was we took those blue boxes and we essentially copied them over to the cloud and we created the concept of a virtual instance that really sees these physical devices as having a long speaker and microphone wire running through IoT core to the device and to AIA on the, up, you know, the back end. So all of these device components in blue are essentially running in the cloud on a virtual instance that you know, enables the device to maintain you know, just a very small buffer and play data that we're sending down over some topics that we'll get to in a second. So again, long speaker and microphone wires down to the device is how we conceptually thought of AIA. And the implication here is that the AIS client really does become thin. And when I say it becomes thin, we've had interns write clients from, you know, full stop to, you know, fully functional in less than two months in a variety of different languages. So, that one. All right, so that's what we did. Why did we do it? Um, first reason is you know, traditional AVS devices require a number of simultaneous connections off of the device. It can get up to four, five, or even six, depending on functionality that's enabled on the device. So these network connections are doing things like you know, playing dialogue or speech from you know, Alexa, they're playing music, they're retrieving the next alarm that's going to have to play because the customer set up a custom alarm to go off with sunrise. They're doing off token refreshes. And there's some other ones that are you know, there as well, but four is a pretty high number, we thought, um, because each one of those network connections was requiring buffering, you know, a network stack, because you know, depending on which protocol is being used, we saw IoT devices as having you know, one connection up to IoT core and that connection being multi multiplexed for a variety of different use cases. One of the use cases we wanted to enable there was Alexa. So one connection off to IoT core. One codec, Rajiv already mentioned this, but 
If you look in the bottom right of the screen, you'll see a list of codecs that traditional AVS devices have to actually implement now. And this list is continuing to grow as we you know, bring in new music service providers or new flash briefing content providers and things like this. And this is a pretty heavy burden for device makers to have that list of codecs that are supported on the device. What we did with AIA is, hey, if we're bringing all of these components up to the cloud, why can't we also simplify what the device needs to do to play you know, content down to one format? Right now we do Opus. Um, next up is authentication. So OAuth 2 is the you know, auth framework used by Alexa voice service products. Um, and it's used initially for AIA products as well. But post-registration flow, the device no longer has to worry about OAuth 2, token refreshes or things like that. We leverage IoT Core's authentication platform. If you've used IoT Core, we'll dive in a little bit more in a minute um, to simplify that auth story on the device as well. And again, reduce device side complexity and then a single speaker stream. So something AVS devices have to do right now is arbitrate, media mix, things like that. So what I mean is if I'm talking to Alexa or if Alexa's talking to me and an alarm comes in, you know, how do I decide what plays? How do I buffer what's playing in the background or how, I, how do I mix it appropriately depending on you know, the rules associated with those different content streams? We figured why does a device need to worry about that? Alexa's smart enough on the back end to know what's playing and to tell the device, hey, change your volume here. You don't have to worry about the content type. Just increase it because it's an alarm. We'll talk more about that in a second as well. So the result of all of this is significantly less compute and memory required on the device itself. So that's what we did, why we did it. How would you get started on doing this? What are the components? First thing that you need is an AWS account. So these are IoT Core devices. IoT Core authenticates its devices using you know, X509 certs, IAM, things that you're very familiar with. And creating certificates once you get an IoT Core account provision will enable you to get devices provisioned, establish your fleet, get the gateway endpoint that you're going to connect your devices to. And once you get that gateway endpoint, you can actually begin implementing your devices, whatever they look like, whatever platform they're running on to connect to that gateway. And once you do that, you have an IoT Core functional device, and you can start using all the IoT Core features that you've already heard mentioned, device management, you know, rules engines, messaging. Um, so one of the ones that we wanted to enable on top of that is Alexa. You're an IoT Core customer. You know, you're sending messages, you're doing analytics on this device, let's put a microphone on it or a speaker on it or both and then enable Alexa. So to do that, there's one additional prerequisite step, creating an Alexa voice service product. This is very, this is exactly the same as creating a traditional AVS product. You go to the Alexa voice services developer portal, you tell us what type of product you're building, is it commercial, is it something you're working on for yourself at home, um, you know, what's the category, with one additional step. Here's my AWS IoT account that I'm going to be working with this product, this device type through. So this account is tied ex explicitly to that device type and only this device type can work with that account. That's the one new step and that's the prerequisite to actually get started with device side implementation. And there's three things I wanted to talk through on device side implementation. We're gonna run through them and go deeper on each of them. But authentication, this is the customer registering. So the customer telling us who they are and saying, hey Alexa, this is me, this is my Amazon account, this is who's going to be talking to you. Registering with AIA, which is a new step, and then actually implementing AIA. So 
LWA authentication, again, this is OAuth 2. This is common across all Alexa Voice service products. Um, AIA supports code-based linking, so you get your five-digit code, go to a second screen, enter it. Also, companion app-based authentication. So both of these are supported. What's different here is that AIA only requires OAuth 2 at registration time. There's one HTTP call off of the device, um, post-customer authenticating, that said, hey, tie this IoT core device here's my IE2QR information to this LWA registration, and then that pairing allows AIA on the back end to interact with the device through IoT Core. And what that means is that hourly OAuth2 token refresh that has to go on for traditional AVS devices is no longer needed on these IoT Core devices because they're connected and authenticated through certificates on IoT Core. So that one HTTP call that I'm talking about post customer authentication also sets up a key exchange between the device and the AIA service that allows for secure communication over IoT core. So the key exchange, um, basically a nice secure tunnel that we'll go into a little bit more in a minute as well, and it ties that IoT core device to the customer that's interacting with Alexa. After you've done those two pieces, implemented those two components on your device, it's actually the AIA spec. So this is the API, if you will, for interacting with AIA. What you'll notice is this looks very similar to like a URI structure, a REST URI structure. Um, coming from the top down, you'll see dollar sign AWS slash Alexa. This is the reserved topic space that Philippe mentioned that messages go across that are not metered or charged to your account interacting with AIA. The red boxes are just JSON messages very similar to the AVS API, if you worked with that before. Um, very small, simple JSON messages. Um, and those are control plane topics. So this is, you know, events and directives coming up and down from Alexa. The blue boxes are actually what we consider our data plane. So these are, you know, binary, for all intents and purposes, raw binary data that's either coming up from the microphone to the AIA backend or from Alexa backend down to the device itself. And then control plane is interacting with those long speaker and microphone wires. So we're going to dive deep into each of these boxes. But first, I wanted to talk about the colors around the box. So you'll notice the yellow colors. This is the additional layer of encryption I mentioned on top of what AWS IoT already provides. So IoT core connections are TLS protected. We've established another layer of encryption on top of that TLS connection that moves through IoT core to the Alexa backend. Um, and again, that's done in that one registration call post-customer authentication. Additionally, how many of you have interacted with uh, the MQTT protocol before? All right, fantastic. So we get a pretty regular question. Hey, MQTT doesn't seem like it's a great protocol for voice or audio streaming. And it's not a great protocol for it. However, it's a very workable protocol. Um, so AWS IoT offers two levels of quality of service, zero and one. QoS zero on IoT core is extremely fast, very low latency. So we've adopted QoS zero for AIA. What that means, the implications of that, is that we've actually implemented something that looks like a very lightweight TCP protocol in our application layer. There's three components here that are interesting. Sequencing, send rate limiting, and buffer management. So sequencing, you know, 
as you would expect, we send our messages and we need them to be resequenced both on the device and service side. What this implies is that you need a buffer on the device that can handle you know, some fixed set between four and 10 messages to help resequence. And that brings us to send rate. You know, so we regulate the rate at which we send messages from the client and from the service in order to minimize you know, the error rate or the out of sequence rate for those messages. And then buffer management. Um, we have you know, the concept of overflow and underflow on the device side, the server side we don't because we have unlimited memory, um, but on the device itself, we, we expect the device to tell the service, hey, you're sending me too fast, I'm overflowing or I'm underflowing. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. All right, so that's kind of the overview of the spec. Going into each of the boxes, um, so each of the topic spaces or the URIs. So connection, we understand a device might need to be connected to AWS IoT Core separate from having an Alexa connection established. You might be doing an OTA update and you might not want your customer interacting with Alexa during that OTA update. Your customer might have opted out of Alexa engagement on that device, but still be using other smart home functionalities or other you know, things for your smart device that you've created. So if a device connects to IoT Core and wants to connect to Alexa, we have a separate connection topic for AIA that says, hey, let's start an Alexa session. Here's my sequence. We'll set our sequence numbers to zero on both sides. This is a session, very similar to sessions you see in other applications. And that session um, is robust enough to survive across you know, some network connection drops with IoT or the, you know, the internet. So, um, but it's really just the session. So establish the session, it's active and usable. Once you've established that session, it's time for the device to tell Alexa what it's capable of. So if you're familiar with the Alexa Voice Services API, this is a, there's a long list of device-side capabilities, 20 plus, and it's growing. What we've done for AIA is taken that number down and said, hey, if we just treat this device as that long speaker and microphone wire, what do we need to do to support audio? There's one requirement that we have, and that's essentially you telling us, the device saying, hey, this is how you know, big a message you can send me without overflowing my buffer with one message. So IoT Core so supports 128K. We don't expect our devices to go up that you know, high. If they can handle that much, they're probably, you know, got plenty of memory. So this is saying, you know, send me 5K max message sizes because I'll support, you know, a resequencing buffer of eight, something along those lines. Once you've established your required capabilities, we have a couple of optional ones. You might have a speaker on your device, you might have a microphone, you might have both. If you have a speaker, hey, what format of data in our binary speaker topic should we be sending you? Again, right now we support Opus, but there are some, you know, some options here and some areas we can you know, do in the future, do some different things. Microphone, alerts, how many alerts can you persist on your device? How much room have you made for you know, a customer to enable five alerts, 10 alerts, 20 alerts, how much room application level do you have on your device? Once you've established capabilities, AIA can start sending you messages over that topic space in IoT Core, and the device can start sending messages up to AIA, and it will start responding to them. Example is the speaker space. So this is the interesting one. So single codec right now is Opus, and this is binary frames from Opus being sent in MQTT messages. The device is getting those, putting them in what we expect to be a circular buffer, and our control plane is interacting, saying, hey, at this particular offset in that buffer, open the speaker, close it here. Um, 
Also, the device is sending up, hey, you sent me too many messages. My buffer is full right now. Slow down. Um, and also resend some of these guys. Um, and you'll see a couple more in a bit. But microphone is kind of the flip side of this. Hey, a customer uttered Alexa or pushed a button to tap to talk. I've opened my microphone, and I'm sending you binary data on the microphone stream. The flip side of that is Alexa might need you to open the microphone for a multi-turn engagement. If you ask Alexa, what's the weather? She might come back and say, what city do you want the weather in? That's a microphone open directive. The event and directive topics, this is our control plane. This is very similar to the AVS API, where events are things coming up from the device itself. Directives are coming down from Alexa. And an example of a directive that might come down from Alexa is set attention state. Hey, I've interacted with Alexa. Alexa is now thinking. Or I've told Alexa, do not disturb me. Let's you know, turn on the purple LED on the device itself as an attention state. Volume change, set volume. So you might have a speaker stream coming out of the device that's Alexa dialogue. That might get interrupted with an alert. A customer can set a particular volume for an alert that's different than the volume of Alexa's speech. So while you're playing that speaker stream, the device itself doesn't need to worry about what content is playing. AIA is going to say, hey, you're playing content at this offset, just raise your volume up to this level. At this offset, turn it back down. It doesn't have to worry about owning, knowing, managing state, or buffering across three different, four different channels of content. AIA worries about it, understands the context of what's playing, and just tells the device what specifically needs to happen and when it needs to happen. So the full spec is at the link on the bottom. There'll be another link screen at the end. But the events and directives are the control plane. Once you've implemented those topic spaces, you have a fully functional AIA device. Um, it's a fairly small set of APIs. And again, if you go to this link and you start comparing and contrasting to the Alexa voice service APIs, it's a pretty reduced set. So there were some breakouts that covered some of this functionality and then also covered things like, hey, I'm connected to IoT Core. I've implemented AIA. Um, now I can do smart home engagement. The reason we wanted to use that single IoT Core connection is because once you have that open, if you set up a smart home skill or custom skill and you want to send additional context or commands down to the device or use Things Shadow, um, you have that connection open and you're already using AIA over it, you can then use some smart home stuff over it as well. So the IoT 304 talked about some of the other things you can do once you have that IoT core device um, enabled and it's working with AIA. So, demo. Um, so we have the Instinct iDevices switch here. It is a beautiful switch. The red ring, if you can see that, just means that the microphone is muted because we've been saying Alexa a lot and this thing has great far field pickup. So I'm going to unmute that. It's connected to my phone's Wi-Fi hotspot right now, so we'll see how we do. And I'm going to hold it up to my lapel mic. So, Alexa, joke. How do you thank a mule for its hard work? By saying, Donkey Shane. Everybody hear that? Alexa, turn on instinct. Alexa, turn off instinct. Alexa. Set volume to three. Alexa, play Baby Shark. Baby Shark by Pink Flung on Amazon Music. So, Alexa, stop. 
So all of that going over MQTT through IoT Core on the device itself, low latency, um, latency story, we are roughly equivalent to the existing traditional AVS latency. Um, and we have some uh, ideas and some ways we actually can optimize and improve that in the future. Um, not saying we'll get faster, but maybe we will. Um, links, so you've seen some bit.ly links through the presentation. We figured we'd dump this on a single screen for you to take a picture of, so I'm gonna leave this up until I see the cameras down. Additionally, we're wrapping up. We are going to be in the hall behind um, this room to answer questions one-on-one -on -one if you have any um, for 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long y'all are here. Let's see, still see some phones up. All right. Oh. All right. Um, additionally, there is Alexa skill training. So once you have that IoT core connection open, you have a device that is Alexa built in, you probably also want it to work with Alexa, like turn on that light. Um, you know, here's a link that will take you through training as well as certification if you're interested in doing that. I wanted to thank Philippe and Rajiv for putting the presentation together and letting me come up here and talk about the fun technical things we solved and are enabling. And I wanted to ask the audience to please take a couple of minutes, submit the survey on your reInvent application, tell us what we didn't dive into enough, what we covered you know, with some redundancy so that we can improve this in the future. Just a couple of minutes and we'd thoroughly appreciate that. All right, that's it.